0: Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. Simone de is out this week because she's like in France or something. I don't know. (laughs) She's being special. Um, So I'm your host, Christina Warren, joined as always by Brianna Wu, uh, director of Rebellion Pack. And um, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by the Dragon's Brood Cycle. Oh. Yeah. It's an epic fantasy series. So we'll hear more about that uh brie how are you doing
1: i i'm doing well i feel like we had they they have the internet in france or wherever simone is this week she should be here she should she should show up i feel so
0: i mean yeah but like also it's many hours in the future yes and she says that so it's like two o'clock in the morning there or something like that and (laughs) she says that which look as the person who's done that How many times? A little bit, yes. Uh, I I don't. I don't want to encourage that. And then she said that like they don't have good Wi-Fi. So. 100%.
1: Hundred percent. Well, we will we will try to get through this show. Every time she's not here though, I realize just how much of the the the, the grunt work that Simone does making this show get produced every single week that she completely forget about. And then she's not here. And I'm like, oh, we've gotta do sponsor reads. Oh, we've gotta get the show to Steven. Oh, we've gotta do we've gotta come up with the title. She just does all of that for us.
0: She does. Like Simone's kind of the glue behind the this- <laughs> that keeps everything running. Um, Bree and I are sort of just like the, the trains that are almost running off the tracks. Yep. So yeah, you, you have a chaotic show uh, this week, which which is cool because uh, we've, we've got some fun stuff to talk about. So we're going to talk about uh, the new Surface um, stuff that was announced at the Surface event this week. And we're going to be talking about iOS 15, as well as um, the iPhone reviews that are out, uh, as well as an update on Christina and Bree's iPhone decisions. And then on a uh, dessert, we're going to get into uh, some of the drama and uh, internet hilarity, frankly, around dear Evan Hansen. So um, I'm excited about this.
1: Also very excited though. I may need you to explain Evan Hansen to me.
0: I'm going, I'm so excited. Like I, I, this is when <laughs> I do wish that, that Simone was here because Simone, I believe would be able to geek out with me about just the wonderful internetness of the whole thing, but I will do my best to, to, uh, to live up to, um, to her needs. So, I um, I love it. All right. So first up, um, uh, we are recording this on Wednesday and as we record this, Microsoft announced, uh, or rather held, um, a, a surface event, um, today. And so they, they introduced a bunch of new surface devices, a new surface, um, slim pin two uh, just, just a ton of stuff, uh, disclosure. I do work at Microsoft, However, I don't work on the service team and I wasn't involved in any of this, but I was just watching as like a fan of technology and of stuff in general. So uh, we're going to get into all the various uh, product stuff, but just as kind of a high level thing, uh, Bree, what were your thoughts?
1: I I thought it knocked it out of the park. I mean, I don't need Microsoft to win or Apple to lose. I mean, on this show, I think we're very consistent. We are excited about tech that excites us. Sometimes that's Apple technology, sometimes it's Microsoft, sometimes it's Google. Mm -hmm. And I... I just want to be straight with you. I was so much more excited about the Surface event overall, everything they brought forward. I they they made some weird stuff, Christina. Yes. <laughs> they made some wonderfully weird stuff. And uh, to be really honest, I didn't spend a dime myself from the Apple event. I'm thinking about two devices here.
0: Amazing. Okay, so so they the the stuff that was announced. There were kind of uh, there were like seven. Um, uh, big announcements. Um, there's a, a redesigned Surface Pro 8. Mm-hmm. There's a, a Surface Laptop Studio, which is kind of like the successor to the Surface um, Book. And there's the new Surface Duo 2, which was the, the the phone that came out last year. Um, there's the Surface Slim Pen 2, which has built-in haptics. And uh, there's a refreshed Surface Go 3. Some Surface Adaptive um uh, kits for accessibility. A new um, eco-friendly mouse. Um, so, so there's there's also there were a couple of other uh, smaller, minor things like the the Surface Pro X, which is the ARM version, had a new variant. Uh, so let's just, I guess, kind of get to the. Um, we we can start, I guess, maybe with the Surface Pro 8. But but before we, I guess, maybe get into the one by one things. What are what are the two devices you're considering buying?
1: I think the Surface Duo 2. I I don't like Android for infosec reasons, but it is a. That is that is a sexy, interesting device. I mean, yes. I'm not sold on the camera on it, and we can get into it. But that is, that is really interesting. And that Surface Laptop, it's so wonderfully weird. How could you not want it? Right? No.
0: Yeah. No. I totally agree. It is. It is definitely wonderfully weird. Okay. So we're gonna start out though first with kind of the tried and true, which is the Surface Pro 8. Right. So this was a big redesign. So the Surface um, line has been around. God, it's hard to believe, but I think it came out in 2012.
1: Oh my god. And
0: uh, you know, and when it started, it was kind of this weird thing because, you know, I remember the event in Microsoft, it was pretty ballsy of them because, you know, they Microsoft had been, you know, other than making accessories, has has been like a, a software company and it never made its own hardware. And so it was risky in a sense that it's like, okay, now Microsoft's going to make first party hardware that competes head to head with its OEMs who have been a huge part of Windows. So some of the OEMs weren't pleased. and and But but, it, but I think that the rationale, uh, at least according to the execs who were around at the time, um, most of them are not, I, I think, there anymore, was that they were kind of frustrated, I guess, with kind of the state of Windows devices at that time and, and had some new ideas they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And the and the first kind of generation of service devices and the idea behind the surface that is that it's a it's kind of like a a really good hybrid of a of a tablet and a laptop. So you have a screen that attaches and then you have a an attachable keyboard. And so it really kind of and, and there's a pen component so you can write on it. So it really I think is the the very first device that is it, now we have the iPad Pro and we have a bunch of Chromebooks and other things, but it was really like the first big kind of mainstream device that really said we're going to take both touch and pen and keyboard input seriously. Yeah. So the first version that came out, the first couple of versions that came out, they were okay, but there were some issues with them. And then it was the Surface Pro 3, which I think came out in 2014, but it might have been 2015, that really kind of rethought re- um, everything and really was kind of where people were like, okay, actually, this device is really good. This has a keyboard now that and, and a kickstand that's not terrible. You know the power is is good enough for it to be used actually as a laptop, and it's thin enough to still you know be able to, to write on it and have that kind of thing. And so people really love these devices. I'm always impressed when I see them in the wild. Um, but they've had kind of the same look and feel for a really long time. So the new Surface uh, Pro 8 it looks a lot more like the Surface Pro X, which came out uh, last year, which is is it runs um, the the arm processors. So it has much uh, slimmer bezels. Uh, it's thinner. Um, but um, but now it, it has the Intel processors. It also has Thunderbolt 4 support, mm-hmm. which people like me have been begging for for a long time. In fact, the reason I haven't personally bought a Surface device up until now has been the refusal. Uh, it was claimed for, for a long time for security reasons, uh, not supporting Thunderbolt And um, it also has a 120 hertz display, so it has a high refresh screen, and it supports uh, a new keyboard, and it has uh, the newly um, upgraded Surface Slim Pen, too. So I think for people who like this type of device, this is kind of like the holy grail and the refined upgrade that I think people who are a fan of this form factor have been wanting for a really long time.
1: I, I definitely agree with that, and you know, I think don't sleep on the Surface Pen two redesign. It's no. it's it's really flat. It's long. It like for many of these models, it locks into like clever places. Uh, you know, for the longest time, Surface was the one that kind of came up with the idea of uh, attaching your pen with a magnet to the outside, which is great. But I don't know about you, Christina. I lose mine in my purse all the time. I have definitely three of them just because I never know where my Apple pencil is. Um, you know, so to me, that's a really... Really big step forward, as well as having haptics uh, inside the pen itself to kind of emulate the scratching feel. Yes, uh, which I'm 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 skeptical about, but I'm excited about if it actually works. Um, Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm excited about that too. I haven't had a chance to use it, but I was talking with some of the devs today and some of the people who've worked on it, and it seems like they've put a lot into it. And there's some interesting software stuff with that, and and the reason that you have to use like a a compatible device, which I think is basically every, most of devices going back at least five years, as well as all the devices that were announced at the event today. Um, And it needs to be running Windows 11 is because there is like a haptic like engine, you know, like motor inside the pen. So it's interesting that the hardware and the software are kind of paired together so that you can get that feedback, which like you said, is supposed to offer more of, of this kind of simulation of like what it feels like to you know write on on physical paper, which right. I'm curious about.
1: It, yeah, It's a big deal because I draw, and that mm-hmm. is a huge limitation on the iPad. I mean, it just it feels it feels numb, you know. And they always like emphasize the uh, the sensitivity and the pressure settings that they put. Look, Wacom's been doing that trick for a long time. It's the feedback that you really need. That's the tricky thing to get right. And especially considering you can run full Photoshop, full Illustrator on here, I mean, even full ZBrush, like ideally. Right. Uh, you know, it, it could work very well, but uh, just to be honest, out of everything they announced today, the Surface Pro 8 personally excites me the least. Uh, the keyboard I feel is still that that compromise of the, the first gen iPad uh, Pro keyboards, you know, kind of built into the cover. You know, since the magic keyboard, I just can't go back to something built into a, a cover like that. And uh, yeah, the form factor is better. But uh, honestly, I just I think the iPad Pro is a better device, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I know that makes sense. I personally think I, I think that there's a lot that I like about the the um, Surface keyboard. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I, like, uh, somebody who's used both a, a fair bit, I do like kind of the, the way that it connects and, and the, the new design, which is apparently more rigid because it's made out of carbon fiber mm. and it has the slot for the pen, I think is clever. But yeah, I think that that's going to be one of those things that people have their own opinions about what they like better. I think that I will say and, and again, like I work at Microsoft, but this is a completely unbiased thing. I think that anybody who would argue that like the magic keyboard, which is great, didn't learn significantly from the Surface keyboard, is fooling themselves. Oh, of course. It's you know, a straight ripoff. Because, rip <laughs> I mean, and, and I think it's better in some ways. I, I think that there, there are some differences, but, you know, there are trade-offs in both. But um, this one, apparently, at least people who have done the hands-on stuff uh, say that it's better. Okay, so that's that's the Surface Pro 8. Um, um, it's, uh, you know, it, its starting price on all of these things I'm going to say is actually, you know, fairly high. These are not inexpensive devices, um and and i think that the the you know this is one of those things where with the surface pro uh line like it starts at a certain price and then you need to add the keyboard you need to add the pen um and uh so uh you have to you know you have to get into it a little bit more i will say one of the nice things about this you can't upgrade the ram but you can upgrade the ssd they've made that um user upgradeable for the nvme drive which is I hate to be like, oh, that's great, and and like give people like an out of way for what I think should be a, a given thing to be able to do, but unfortunately, it's not. So many uh-huh. devices don't let you upgrade the SSD or replace it in in the case that like it goes bad. Like if, if your MacBook breaks, um, something happens with the SSD. This happened to a friend of mine recently. You have to send the whole thing back in. Like it has yep. to be completely disassembled, and like you have to basically get a refurb. So. For something like that, e- even for just, you know, environmental reasons, that's that's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so that's the Surface um, Pro 8. Um, the, the big thing there is, is it's got the Thunderbolt, the better display, and, um, uh, you know, some new things. Then the next thing, we, we also talked about the, the um, Surface, uh, the Slim Pen 2. Yep. Which I think is good. And then the next thing, and this is the one where um, you're, this is one of the ones you're looking at. I'm definitely looking at this, too. So the Surface Laptop Studio this is, as you said, this is wonderfully it's weird.
1: It's bananas. It's bananas. Yeah. It's, it's ugly, but it's gorgeous. You know what it's yeah. like? It's like that puppy that's kind of hideous, but it's so cute at the same time. You want it? I mean, tell, like, I, what do you think about it? What do you think about it?
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. It's like one of those things where I think that it's it's beautiful and it's designed and then there are aspects of it that, yeah, are totally ugly. <laughs> um, yeah, Like, like it's, it's really, looks really well built. I haven't obviously had a chance to to look at it, unfortunately. But the the images and the hands-on stuff I've seen, like it looks really nice.
1: It, it's got like one of those, you know, the $20 cooler blocks you buy on Amazon for your laptop that you just yes. throw underneath it with the giant fan? It's got this huge block underneath it for thermal cooling, which is good. I mean, that yeah. means it's going to run faster, right? And it's not, yep. it's the best that could possibly look aesthetically. And the hinge is just it's it's hideous but it's awesome at the same time because right. it won't yeah. lie completely flat as a tablet.
0: Yes. So so this is what's interesting about it. So the the surface um book line which uh debuted I think 5 or 6 years ago that was really interesting because it looked like and it had kind of this this bigger hinge. Um but what was neat about it is like it looked like, you know, like a like a MacBook Pro, but then you could actually take the screen off completely even though it was fully aluminum and it had like a, an aluminum chassis the whole thing you know keyboard and whatnot but you t- you could take the screen off mm-hmm. and, and write on it and so it was this weird thing where like you had some of the guts in the base of the unit and then some of it in like the, the screen like the GPU if it had a discrete GPU was in the base of the unit an extra battery, and then the CPU and the hard drive and, you know, the integrated graphics were all in the screen. And so it was a really interesting, you know, idea. I have one of the first ones, and I personally never actually took the screen off. Like, mm-hmm. it was one of those things I would maybe do it occasionally, but, but I never took the screen off, but you could. Um this one, rather than letting you take the screen off, how it works is that you can either have it in kind of like clamshell mode where it'll look exactly kind of like a traditional MacBook or, or anything else. Then it has this kind of easel mode where um it has a I, I guess like a, a hinge or like a, a I don't know what you want to call it,
1: like um It's like the surface hinge and the back. Exactly. Of almost, the back right? of it. exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: So so it's kind of like a tenting sort of thing where the screen will move forward at an angle. And it'll cover up the keyboard, but still leave you with the trackpad. And so this would be useful, like the the way that they've shown this off as if like, say you're playing games on it, um, you know, using like either you're remotely playing from your Xbox or using, you know, um, xCloud or something like that. You could do that. Or if you're watching video and you still want to be able to have access to the trackpad because that's easier than touching the screen, you know, you could do that. Um, And then they have a model where again, as you mentioned, like that, that bottom part, like there's this kind of platform that it sits on, it does lay flat, but there's this interesting kind of platform underneath it where you can kind of lay it all the way back and it will lay like flat, but it's, it's got this because of the, the way that it's, you know, kind of designed, um, like you could draw on it completely. Um, but it, it's, it's going to be thicker and obviously like less like wieldy than just having the screen available.
1: Hundred percent, and this is what's holding me back from it because I th- I really like this form factor. Uh, unlike, uh, say, the Surface, uh, the the really big Surface Studio, uh, you know, iMac looking thing, yeah. you can't tilt the hinge at any angle. Right. It, it comes and rests on magnets. And the use case I can see myself using this the most for is, you know, when I go into meetings, I always, uh, you know, haul around a moleskin notebook right. with me and write down physical notes. I know the iPad, it can take notes, but it's so unwieldy in the case and it's so heavy right. that it's just never... Convenient for that. It just it never clicked with me. I think with this, because it's with magnets, it'll clump up at that angle. I think it would be very convenient for drawing or or you know, taking notes on, but not having that freedom to get like just the right angle, you know, depending on how high the table you're sitting at. I I don't know. Like I like the magnets because it'll hold into place better, but I kind of just want a stronger hinge. Do you know what I mean? No,
0: I totally do. And and I think that that's one of the interesting things and we'll probably need to wait for reviews to see like how they, how they feel about that. For me, the thing that I would be, I think it'd be okay with, with, them, um, you know, the magnets and not having the full, like the flexibility of how far you can, you know, move everything. If when it's in kind of a like lay flat mode, if that is manageable, like if that feels cumbersome and weird, like if I have that in, in, um, portrait mode, you know, if I'm trying mm-hmm. to take notes, if that feels weird and and, and cumbersome, then I'm not going to love it. But if um I can have that in portrait mode and be taking notes, and it doesn't feel like it's like it's too much, then then that might actually be worthwhile. In in your mole example, mm-hmm. so so that device it starts at fifteen ninety nine. Um, it goes all the way up to over three thousand dollars depending on what options you get. Um, and um, there are going to be some enterprise only options available too uh Dieter uh bone over at um the the Verge um like like you he said like this it's it's a uh, one weird powerful computer and and <laughs> and I agree like this is this is definitely like the the weird one right and 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 I but I love it like I this is the thing like the the Surface Studio was kind of an audacious design of having this iMac thing that can then tilt back the original Surface even though the first couple of iterations were flawed an audacious design the Surface Book you know being able to take the the screen off of the, the fully aluminum laptop, you know, really interesting. And so this is kind of that next thing. And so if nothing else, uh, you know, even if this isn't like maybe the perfect form factor, I'm really glad to see someone experimenting like this.
1: I think Microsoft is taking chances that Apple is not. And that's very, very apparent this week.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so that is going to be the Surface, um, Surface Laptop Studio, which is really cool. All right, we're going to talk about more of this stuff in just a second. But first, just want to tell you that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by The Dragon's Blood Cycle, an epic fantasy audiobook series by Josh DeLioncourt. So, The Dragon's Brood Cycle is an epic fantasy series that blends legend, history, and a dose of realism. Emily Haven is a high school hockey prodigy, and she has two secrets. One, her her rapidly deteriorating home life, and two, the apparently supernatural power that makes her a star on the ice. Okay, that's really interesting. So after being torn from the 21st century Minneapolis and stranded in a world of strange creatures and dark sorcery, Emily finds herself caught between opposing forces of a war she does not understand. The story grapples with issues that face our modern world within fantasy settings, including racism, identity, gender roles, and more. Joshua Lioncourt is a blind indie author who was raised on sci-fi fantasy, and as an avid audiobook listener, Josh's novels are written with particular attention to how they will sound when narrated. I love that. The audiobook editions are narrated by Ray Kaplan, who voiced uh, Wendy the Lungs in the Emmy Award-winning series The Organ Wise Guys. So I really love the the idea behind this. And I like that this is something where, you know, the author has is, is thought about the audio edition first, right? Because you and I... 100%.
1: Yeah, they gave us an audio edition. I, I got a chance to listen to it. It's a great story. Uh, it's beautifully voice acted. I don't want to give away all the the secrets, but I would say just look at the reviews on Audible. It's all five stars for this, and yeah, it's easy to see why like the publisher really believes in this book enough to advertise it here. It's it's good stuff. So I say dig in.
0: Absolutely. So the uh, the Dragons Brood cycle received five star five star ratings, as Bree said, and was recommended uh, on the Grammar Girl. Podcast. Podcast. So, to learn more, hear samples, and begin your journey with Emily Haven and friends, search The Dragon's Brood on Audible and iTunes, or visit dragonsbrood.net and click on audiobooks. The Dragon's Brood cycle is also available in ebook and paperback. And so, once again, just search The Dragon's Brood on Audible and iTunes, or visit dragonsbrood.net and click on audiobooks. Our thanks to Dragon's Brood and their support of this show and Relay FM. Awesome. Okay. So the next thing we're going to talk about, we're still talking about the surface event because there was a lot of stuff, the surface, uh, duo two.
1: Oh, okay. I need your help on okay. this. Cause okay. Okay. Come on, this is straight up sexy. I I wish Apple would put this out. It's a so listeners, if you haven't seen a picture of it, it's basically imagine two uh, iPhone Pro Maxes that fold together at a hinge with this beautiful snap. Yeah, and that you can like take a picture on one side and then adjust it on the other, or see the picture you just took, or flip it around and just use it like a phone and have screens on both sides. I mean, this is this is sexy, sexy hardware. What what do you think? No,
0: I think it looks great. And I was always kind of a fan of the original Service Duo. I didn't get one. It was a first gen product. I think that was the right Mm -hmm. decision, especially seeing this one, which is better in every way. But I really liked the design idea. And I I would agree with you. Like think it's like, you know, you have like two iPhone Maxes or uh, if you got like the the new iPad mini. It's about the same size as this thing is um, uh, when it's expanded. And so you could kind of feel like, okay, if you were to fold the the iPad mini in half, I feel like um, that's kind of uh, what what this becomes. But yeah, I really like the idea and I like this approach a lot. And, And we mentioned this a year ago when the first Duo came out. I really like this approach to the dual screen phones because it's not trying to do the whole like make you believe that it's one continuous piece of glass thing and ignore the seam. It's it's straight up owning the fact that yeah, these are two screens and yes, you can, you know, have a continuous something on here, but but you know, it's 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 acknowledging and kind of embracing the fact that yeah, you have two different screens and you can multitask in this way because of that.
1: I think, uh, so that's really good. Uh, This is what's holding me back on this, that as much as we all like the design of the first Surface Duo, it got terrible reviews. Flat out bad reviews. Uh, it was primarily the software and in first gen hardware. Uh, you know, respectfully to the Microsoft yep. team, they don't have a great uh, reputation for first gen hardware yep. and the Surface line. The you know, second, third generation comes back strong, and I my thinking is I. I I nearly pulled the trigger on one today. If you go to the pre-order page, all the good ones are already <laughs> sold out. <laughs> like, like it's it's I think it's gonna sell very well. But the thing that held me back is I want to see reviews because something like this is gonna be really, really, really dependent on how much they've thought through the software. And again, Christina Android, like no offense to rocket listeners that love Android, but like, uh, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine into InfoSec, and uh, he was telling me about a conference they went to, and how they walk in and they will carry around transmitters in their backpacks, uh, fake cell phone transmitters, and they just pawn Android phones immediately because it's just not there in the same way. And I think about, you know, what if my emails got out? What if my Twitter password got out, you know? So that's that's what's really holding me back. I just, but still, it's it's so cool. No, it is
0: so cool. There's a new black color, which I think is really good. Like, mm-hmm. I really like that black color. Um, and yeah, and I hear you on some of the security stuff. I tend to think, and and I don't know, you know, a ton about like the people who've been working on, on the device, uh, for example, but I know that some of the stuff that like, you know, Microsoft has added at least with their apps on Android, they take security very, very seriously because people use mm-hmm. it in the workplace. But if there are other things involved, yeah, I mean that that's I, I think that um, although I mean at this point I don't think that we can we can reliably pretend like iOS is as secure as we used to always think it was either you know, hundred percent, which just kind of puts us in a weird place. But I but I but I do understand and I don't disagree with what you're
1: saying. Well, how about I mean I just think Android feels clunky yeah, compared to that. iOS. I would I I would agree with that. I'm sorry. No,
0: I I think you're right. And and it's interesting because the the Windows team or the service team rather has done some uh the service android team has made some very interesting um improvements. And I think they've actually worked directly with the, the official Android team on adding some support for for dual screen stuff and the way that can work. Uh and, and over the last year, like like Dan Seifert at the Verge actually wrote kind of a, a revisiting article a few months ago, revisiting the the first surface duo. And on the software side, a lot of it got better. The hardware last year was outdated even by the time it came out, which I think was added to the fact that the software was kind of its first try too, just not a great experience. You know, it was it was mm-hmm. a definite early adopter device. This one, I, I don't I can't speak on on where the software is and, and how much better it is. The good thing is that at least on the hardware side, it is significantly better. So the screens are now um, slightly larger, two five point eight inch screens. They're they're OLED. Um, it also has um, a ninety um, hertz uh, refresh rate on the displays, so that's going to be higher than you know what you get on actually any of the iPhones except for the upcoming iPhone Pro series. And um, they also have um, like a the new uh, Snapdragon eight 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 processor, which is a really big upgrade over the the last version. It also supports 5G connectivity uh, and um, has 8 gigabytes of RAM, which is 2 gigabytes more than what the past one had. And then you can get either 128 gigabytes, 256 gigabytes, or 512 gigabytes of storage. Um, So, you know, um, there is an NFC. There's not wireless charging. uh, But um, I don't know about the battery life, but they are saying, like, all-day battery life. They've also, the big thing, too, the camera was rightly criticized, I think, last year on on, um, what its capability was. And and the way I kind of looked at it, I was like, well, I don't know if you buy this as a phone so much as you buy this as, like, a tablet, kind of, like, mini-computer thing that just happens to run Android. But they have Mm -hmm. added um, two, um, actually, I guess, three cameras on the back. So they've put an Mm ultra-wide a wide angle and a telephoto, um, uh, camera. Um, the telephoto has, um, um, optical image stabilization on the back. So there's a triple rear system on the back as well as like a, a, a front facing, um, uh, camera. And so they're all 12 megapixel in resolution and, um, it also supports the, the new pen input too. So yeah, I, I, um, unfortunately and I just checked that even like we're completely sold out of them uh for employees so i was going to try to see like if i could <laughs> if i could score you one but uh although oh. our um the amount that we're able to get usually runs out pretty quickly but yeah, yeah uh this this seems like this is a really good upgrade across the board
1: i just i mean why can't apple be taking really bold risks like this like i understand that the core macbook is a commodity and the iphone is such a precious device that they don't want to to really mess with it. But I, I just, you know, I, I'm thinking about Apple like right after Steve Jobs before he came back when they do things like the Newton, right. which was also weird and flawed, or iPod socks. I mean, yeah. where's the whimsy with what with what Apple does? Like if they like they won't even fully commit to the iPhone mini, you right, know? Right. Like like put something out, put out the weird iPhone. Like I, I just I want I want Apple to start putting out an iMac that will like bend up and down like the I Surface agree. Studio. Maybe 10 people will buy it. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe have touch. Really love maybe it.
0: have screen support on a Mac, right? Like Yeah. I mean, at this point they run the same hardware as the iPad. It I I'm not saying to make everything touch first, but there's a lot of people like touch support. Have Apple Pencil support. Like I am with you and and I, I agree with you. Like I, I would love to see Apple do a foldable device because I feel like they would do it better than anybody else. But Mm -hmm. I I do, um, I'm tempted, I don't really want to buy another phone right now, but I am very tempted, I will say, also by the Surface Duo 2. I'm going to wait for more reviews. But this is one of those things where I could see this. And for me, I wouldn't even be using, like, I don't even know if I would activate the LTE, to be honest. It would probably be one of those things that I would use almost entirely as like a tablet, right? Um and but, but i think that there's value in that and and i feel like this it, it's it's weird too cuz like the android tablet space hasn't been great but this to me seems like the right use case for an android tablet
1: yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, I mean, I unfortunately with my job have to have two phones. So right. yeah, I just put my call time SIM in there. Uh, but yeah, really interesting.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, uh, So the um the, the next thing, uh, as we already discussed it, so that's also another big thing. I'm excited to read the reviews on this because the first one had a lot of potential. It just wasn't there. But this one, I feel like they, I'm honestly, I'm going to be totally candid, might get in trouble for saying this. I'm surprised that we even saw a Surface Duo 2. Because if we hadn't, mm-hmm. I think that no one would have been like super up in arms. I think pe- the, you could have blamed the pandemic, you could have blamed a lot of things to be like, hey, like the response just wasn't there. We invested a lot into this clearly, but it, the response just wasn't there, and we're going to cut our losses. They were
1: selling them for a song yeah, were. a couple of weeks ago, and you were like, "Brie, wait! If another one's coming out, yeah, it's going to be a few weeks." Yeah, uh, no, I mean, that, 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 was, that was yeah. that was
0: kind of my. I kept seeing the rumors. I was like, "Yeah, I wouldn't buy one now, right?" Like it still wasn't that <laughs> point, just because the the performance wasn't there. It wasn't quite cheap enough. Like if it had gotten to the five hundred dollar park, like. Mm-hmm. Then we're talking, but it wasn't. Um, that's another thing with these. These are expensive. So these are going to, you know, I, th- I think they start at, at $1,500. So that is expensive. But I, the way I, again, the way I'm kind of looking at the, the Surface Duo 2 is this is more of kind of a hybrid, like, you know, tablet device with LTE versus just like a pure phone, right? Um, 100%. So so I, So I think that for the people who would maybe be interested in buying like an LTE iPad, uh, this would be something who if you needed that, but you also did want to make phone call ability. I th- I think there's something there. There's an audience for this. I don't know how big it is, but there's an audience for this. So that's that. The other thing is the the Surface Go 3, which um is uh it has new Intel processors. It's the same form factor as the old one. Um, Grant still loves his, and mm-hmm. uh I know that uh that you, you've played with that. I think that is like you know it's just this tiny little Surface device. It's now going to be more powerful and and has you know uh more powerful processors you can get with it. It'll also work with a new pen, but the hardware is the same. I think that's the pricing on that is is the thing that I I wonder about. I don't know if the pricing is quite right for it right now.
1: Yeah. I I agree with you. I I this is always my complaint. I I grew up in a time where the smallest device was the most expensive device because, you know, it was so much harder to miniaturize. I want the Surface Go, but I I want that form factor, but I don't want to sacrifice the screen resolution and the processor. The reason I took my first gen one back uh, was because it was so slow, and I realized they've rectified that with it. But I'm looking at, like, the resolution of this screen, and it's just like, "Er, that's just after you're so used to retina, I can't go back there, right? Yeah, yeah. Make this screen, like make this form factor, but give me the good stuff. You know what I mean? I'll pay more for it. Yeah,
0: I will say like the screen is 1920 by 1080 and for 10 and a half inches, I think that is actually retina, but I I hear you. Like okay. like if it was you yeah. know, a little higher resolution, I think for me, you know, I'm still like we're we're still talking about like like Pentium processors, so that's better than, you know, some of like the uh like the 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 weird, like some of the the uh Subprocessors they were using before, so they have faster processors and more modern processors for sure. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you can also get a, a Core M3 on it, um, and so uh, it's about sixty percent faster than the predecessor device, is what they say. Um, it, it does support Windows Hello. Uh, there will be an LTE option, um, but uh, that's uh, that's not going to be available um, yet. It starts at three ninety nine, which is I think the same as what like the the bare bones iPad starts with. That said, like yep. you're getting like four gigabytes of RAM and a smaller hard drive and uh, a slower processor uh, with that. So again, this is one of those things where I wouldn't get the base model. I w- I would maybe you know go up. You know, so you're going to need to probably budget. I would say probably six hundred dollars, and then you need to get a keyboard for it if that's what you want. The keyboard is very very good, especially for its size, but. Um, I'm glad, you know, like they're continuing to kind of iterate on this. Will, will remains to be seen. Grant loves his and his is at this point several years old and he still really, really likes it. Um, and it's, you know, for like a tiny secondary machine, I think that that this is something to look for. So that's the, that's the surface event. Um, I have to say like, I didn't know anything that was going to be coming out. I was just as surprised as everybody else, but I was really impressed
1: yeah. No, likewise. And, you know, shout out for two quick things they did. Uh, they have a surface uh, 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 accessibility yeah. kit. They had a wonderful moment there with someone who has cerebral palsy. Uh, at Microsoft was basically talking about how he basically grew up to design the products at Microsoft that he always wanted. And uh, basically it's a, a kit that helps you like pull out the kickstand and basically a range of uh, of things to help you plug it in, to pull the tabs out, to open the clamshell design. Yep. Just the most obvious thing, obviously, you know, Christine and I are not the market for that, but it's it's an accessibility thing that frankly our industry should have been doing for a long time. Uh, kudos to that, them doing that. Uh, they debuted a, uh, a mouse that's made out of 20% recycled plastic. You know, personally, I buy a mouse based on how much it's going to hurt my hand right. <laughs> with the amount with the of time I spend there, I I kind of wish they just use the recycled plastic rather than basing an entire mouse around it. Uh, but certainly using uh, ocean plastic for commercial knee uh, uses—that's awesome. And I'm glad to see it. I'm just I'm not going to buy a mouse based on it.
0: No, I agree with that. But 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 I, but I like that they did. I lost to say the the, um, the price on that. It's like twenty five dollars, mm-hmm. which is good. So you know, if you did need like a portable mouse. Yeah, I'm with you. I buy it based on how much use I'm going to get out of it rather than other things. But I agree with you on both of those points, especially the accessibility stuff. That was a really great moment to see. And I'm glad that we have people who are doing that. We saw that with the Xbox uh, uh, accessibility, like accessible controller, which is uh, still, I think, a really, really great thing. And and I like that we have people who are thinking about that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, so that that is the the Surface events. Um, we've got links in the show notes for that. Uh, all right, now let's move on to iOS 15 and the iPhone 13 reviews. What do you want to uh, talk about first?
1: Ah, let's start with the base iPhone. Uh, you know, this is the first year that if you're getting a, uh, if you're getting the, uh, you know, the, the pro model of this, but not the max, you're still getting a really good camera. And I thought that was a good call.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so the pro and the pro max have identical, um, optics and, and everything, which is, um, not always the case. So that's really good. The reviews so far on the pro models have basically been like the camera is bonkers, Cinema mode, which we talked about last week, which is kind of AI driven for, for the video stuff, it seems a little wonky, uh, but the camera is, is apparently bonkers, really good in low light and then like has like unbelievable battery life has basically been uh, kind of the consensus on that stuff.
1: So I guess, you know, I, you had an adventure this week. I'd love you to tell people about this. You, and I just want before we start, I'm not going to give you a second of S about this. Uh, You know, when I did clockwise today, we had someone there that was talking about how this has just been an incredibly hard year. I think if getting the new iPhone makes you feel not terrible for a moment, (laughs) then I think that's great. So no, I'm not going to give you any static about that. I, I, I am curious about your thinking process. Totally. Was it FOMO? Was it, did you conclude this had things you wanted?
0: Yeah, so it was a weird thing. So last week we talked about the fact we didn't know if we were going to get the phones or not. Now, unlike Brie, I did not make any promises because I know myself. So I don't make promises. unless like I've already I already had to pay the freaking Yang or $500 this year. I'm probably going to have to pay <laughs> you $500 if Elizabeth Holmes goes to jail. So I'm already out money. So I'm already at that point where I'm like, okay, I'm not making promises I can't keep, but I was fairly underwhelmed, um, as I said last week, by the event and and by the announcements. And then the FOMO hit, but then this is what was frustrating. And I kind of went through this process on Twitter. I wanted to look at how I could do my upgrade and it was (laughs) way too complicated. So I've had my, rather than going through Apple's upgrade plan, I've just had a a loan with Verizon, which uh, for, for whatever reason, I think I don't remember why I did it with them and not with Apple. I think that, I think at the time I was trying to do something with my credit and I didn't want an extra credit check. And I've been in this Verizon loan for like four years and I've every single year just bought a new phone um, or or just got the new phone. Um, I I think I forgot to trade it in last year. So I bought a paying off the old one and then, you know, still, you know, keeping it. But in most cases, I just send them the old one back and then continue to pay $50 a month or whatever for the new phone. And, and that's worked out. And the reason I started doing that originally was I figured out that the amount of money that I was going to get selling my phone was less than, like, I, I could get more money just rolling over the loan than I could selling the phone back. So it made more sense mm-hmm. for me to just, I was like, if I buy it every year, I might as well just be on this plan and every 12 months get a new one. Well, this year, because last year the Pro Max models were delayed until November, that means that I only have 10 payments instead of 12. Uh, and so mm. that made the process, at least through Verizon, not super easy. They were like, okay, well, you're going to have to pay $150 or something, you know, more to be able to get this plus an activation fee, plus something else to get the phone. And I was like, okay, well, this seems ridiculous, but you're going to give me, also, it was a weird thing where they were like, okay, but you have to trade in the phone and then we'll give you $800 over 24 months. But I'm like, okay, but if I leave Verizon, which I don't think I will, but if I do, then I don't get the other half of that money because they only give you the credit monthly. So that was frustrating. Then I went to try to see is like, okay, well, what if I just try to trade in my phone to Apple and get on their upgrade plan where I know I can do a 12 month thing? That was complicated. The the Apple card wasn't even working with the upgrade program last Friday when when pre-orders launched. And that was a massive problem. Then once I finally was like, well, maybe I will do this. I couldn't find any in stock. They were like, you have to go to Oregon. I'm not going to, wow. I like, I like I'm, I'm not going to Oregon to get a phone. And so at that point I was like, well, the only way I will get a phone launch day, which is when it makes sense uh, for me, because if I have to wait a month, then I'm paying another month on the phone plan that I don't want. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so, right. so, so like for me, because of the economics around like the, the payment plan, it really is like most advantageous for me to get it launch day. So then it was like, yeah. well, I'm not going to get it for a month okay, well, if I'm not going to get it for a month, I know that sounds stupid, but I might, I might as well just not get it at all. Right. Like if right. that's the case, no, I might as well sense. just not get it at all. And, and then, you know, if, if a few months from now, if I change my mind and if the, the trade in value is still high, then maybe I'll do it, but you know, screw it. I'll just go ahead and, and keep the phone.
1: <laughs> See, I know you, I, this is my theory. I think it was the hunt I think you were addicted to the hunt of finding hard to find right. technology. You're projects. right. I,
0: I totally am addicted to finding hard to find technology things, which is probably why I continued trying because I should have just given up at that point. But for whatever reason, and, and I kept like looking like Bryson's website, and then at a certain point, Bryson's website, they were like, "Okay, well, you can upgrade, but you have to pay this fee. But you won't. We'll give you the full credit or whatever. We'll let you just take on the new loan." Um, but then they weren't going to get it to me. You know, for another week, I was like, "Well, I'll have to wait a week for it." That's not the end of the world, but fine. Uh, But I didn't really want to do that. And then I checked in with Apple. And again, like I had checked the day before and the day before that and the day before that. And they were telling me I was going to have to go to Oregon to get a phone and to get it in the color and the capacity that I wanted and and on the career (laughs) I wanted. I'm like, I'm not going to Oregon, like not this year. There are some phones that I would have gone to Oregon for. This is not one of them. So I was like, whatever. So I checked just out of curiosity. And then they're like, oh, no, you can pick one up in Bellevue. On the 24th. <laughs> so I could pick it up on the 24th, or they could mail it to me between like the 19th and the 26th. Again, I'm not waiting a month for the phone. So I'm now going on Friday to Bellevue to get the phone. And then what I'll do, I'll, I'll pay off the Verizon loan. I will then go to the Apple store, trade in the phone, um, the old phone, get $790 on a gift card, and then get the new phone with that. So it, it's it's still more complicated than it should be, but I I found a way to get the color the the um, the light blue phone Pro Max two fifty six gigabytes. I was able to find one, but it was like a whole journey, and I wasn't going to do it. And people kept I had like half of my Twitter followers were like encouraging me to do it. They're like, you know, you're going to do <laughs> it already. And then half of them were like, stay strong. I'm sorry to people that are disappointed, but I am who I am. <laughs>
1: So, I mean, that's, that's wonderful. I mean, so the reviews, I think, I I feel like the reviews back up your decision because they're consistently like, look, don't get twisted. This is not a huge upgrade over the, the, you know, the, the 12 max pro from last year, but this is truly an astonishingly good camera and the battery life is significantly better. Um, yeah, that's kind of the gist of, of every review that I read on this. And yeah, it seems like most of the reviews, the reviewers I read were, uh, were, were a little skeptical about this year too, mm-hmm. and walked away more impressed than they had guessed they were going to be. Was that kind of your read on it as well? Yeah, no,
0: that was something I read on it. And, and, um, and I talked to somebody, uh, who, uh, I'm not going to mention their name, but somebody who, uh, told me that I would very much like the promotion screen, so I'm excited about that because I, I really do like ProMotion on the iPad Pro. I'm excited to to see what that will do and how that will change the phone. I don't think it's going to demonstrably change any way I interact with the phone, but I'm sure it's nice. It does seem like they do need to do some work on the software side for like a, kind of the cinematic video mode, uh, at least for people's yes. expectations, which is fine, uh, but it seems like the, the cameras themselves seem like they're great. The battery life seems really good. They've made the batteries bigger, which is... The battery life last year was awesome, but if it's even better mm-hmm. than... I'm I'm a fan of that. Ultimately, what I also figured out because I was able to do the trade in without having to pay like an ETF fee or whatever is that I'm getting more for the phone, or I'm getting more back for the phone than what I owe on it. So, if I was going to do it, I needed to do it where I could pick it up on the day of release. If I couldn't do it, then then it wouldn't necessarily work out for me. But I was able to kind of make that like you know decision in my head where I was able to kind of rationalize it, be like, okay, you're literally going to get $40 back by upgrading to the new <laughs> phone. So uh, it's, it's in a convoluted way, and, and I'm having to do stupid stuff to get there, but uh, take advantage of those things when you can. So I'm not, like, super stoked. I don't think this is going to be, like, a life-changing phone or anything, but it, I, I was more excited after I read the reviews because the reviews, like you said, most people seemed skeptical going into it, and they were like, okay, actually, these are some nice upgrades. Not r- required and not game-changing, but if you're coming from an iPhone 10 or a 10s this is probably a really good upgrade.
1: Now, I do have to say, Dieter uh, at The Verge, you know, he put a bunch of his pictures back to back uh, between the the 12 Pro and the 13 Pro. Um, And like, Look, no contest. The pictures with the 13 look much better. But just as we were sitting here recording this, I just downloaded it into Photoshop and just four seconds of tweaking saturation right. and brightness, I was able to get something that looks it to my eye like it was taken by the same camera. Totally. So, you know, I, I feel... I, I feel confident that my 13 my 12 Pro will last me another year oh, yeah. and then next year it will feel like a pick up. No, I
0: think you're exactly right. I mean like like I said if you if, if I was not in a position where for the weird reasons that it that this has happened, it, and largely because of the, you know, I think the earlier upgrade cycle or whatever, um I wasn't like saving money by getting the new phone. I wouldn't be bothering doing this. Like if it was the typical thing where like they were going to make me pay to get it, I, I wouldn't do it. And, um, I was going to have to wait a month, which meant I'd have to pay another month on the loan that I wouldn't do it. But because of, of the current situation, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, I am, uh, glad, um, you know, to, to see like the photos, but I, you're right. I mean, I think it's minor. Again, I, I firmly believe whether you have an iPhone 12 or 12 pro, I do not think you need to get an iPhone 13 unless you broke yours. Like my friend Prashant, um, uh, my former boss Prashant, uh, broke his because that was Tim's Tim Apple's way of, of making him buy the new device. <laughs> but if you didn't have a situation like that, I don't think you need to upgrade. And in fact, I think that even if you're coming from an 11, uh, you know, I, I think it's questionable depending on your budget, which is like where Simone's at. So again, I think like if you're a 10 or earlier, I think that this looks like, or or, or, or the 10S or earlier, I think this looks like this could be a really nice device. But if, you know, a, a year or two, um, this is interesting to me. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, spree, but the way that they've now switched the contract terms on the carriers is they've now really are they're almost encouraging people to go to a 30-month cycle versus two years, which, oh. which indicates, and then this is even through Apple's own thing, like the upgrade program is still you can upgrade every year, but in Apple's own terms on the way that they show it for the various carriers, at least in the United States, I don't know how it works in other countries, the, the main way they show you the pricing per month is like by default, it's over 30 months. So that's two and a half hmm. years. So to me, that indicates that even Apple knows that people are keeping their phones longer. And, and, and yep. so that needs that makes the, the decision for normal people who are not insane like myself to upgrade every year. I think, like you said, if it makes you feel better, if you can get something out of it, I'm not going to judge anybody for what they do. But I also feel like it's a very, very, very small percentage of people who need to get the new phone every year. I I actually, even then, I don't think anybody needs to get the new phone every year. I think there are people who might want to, but I I cannot think of any scenario where you need the new phone.
1: I think that... Yeah, you know, I don't know how much of your job you do from your iPhone. I would I say do I do ninety. I I do ninety percent of my job from my iPhone, like sending messages. If it's if it's more involved, Slack, serious email, you know, that's why I break out my my laptop. But that that is I'm on my phone at least five six hours a day for my job. Um, so something you use that much, you know, with the amount of money, you know. Frankly, I make it my job uh, spending $1,500 a year, even if you just did it with cash, uh, that's not an unreasonable no. expense. So I, I don't think it's crazy to stress these things like to, to a real degree. Uh, but, you know, um, there it is. I just I, I it's always a hassle because you've got to swap it over. That's the thing. It, data it, right. Right. You have
0: to start over and or, or decide if you are just going to bring it over again. Yeah. I mean, there are downsides to those things. Even that said, I think like because the iPhone is the iPhone 12 Pro is such a good phone and the iPhone 12 as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think even if you're people like us who spend five or six hours a day on your phone, like a lot of my work, actually ironically, I do more of my email and kind of Teams work on my phone or my iPad than I do on my laptop. You know, I use my laptop for coding and for live streaming and stuff, but I do a lot of my meetings and my my other stuff on my phone for sure. And um, like you, you know, I stress it a lot, but this I'm not going to pretend like this is something that I need in any way. It just happened to work out this way. So that's the iPhone stuff. Uh, but you're staying strong. You're you're staying with your 12 for another year.
1: I, I'm going to blow a thousand dollars on something else stupid. I, just not this. No, I, I mean so. I think it's
0: good. I mean put it put it towards the the Surface Duo fund, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, Christina, before we move on to the next topic, uh, there's breaking news. Yes. Uh, I just what's it to you. Uh, apparently, uh, Brax, however you yep. say it, has come out with a new flavor. Oh, no. Turkey dinner candy corn. They've added apple pie
0: and coffee oh, God.
1: to it. So... I have flashbacks about this. I'm and not doing it. I think we it. should save this for next week. We have week. to save this yeah. for next week. We
0: have to talk about it. But, but yeah, this is breaking news literally right now. Brock's turkey dinner and apple pie and coffee candy corn, meaning that their flavors are now <sighs> green beans, roasted turkey, cranberry sauce, stuffing, oh, and then oh apple pie and coffee. So they still kept the green beans and the stuffing, which was two of the worst ones. The cranberry sauce was like one of the only like Edible ones, and they weren't good at uh, the wow. No, wow. This this is it.
1: Green beans was really bad. Green beans and stuffing were both really terrible. Bad.
0: Um, the the turkey one was bad too, but green beans was was disgusting. So this feels like a hate crime. Honestly, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like personally insulted by this. Um, real quickly because we are we're going long because it's you and I. iOS fifteen is out. uh What have your thoughts been?
1: Uh, Just super quick on this. uh, Focus mode. I'm ultra pumped about this. Uh, I run self-control on every single one of my Macs. Uh, The fact that I will actually be able to uh, bake this into my phone and stop people from texting me when I'm trying to write or do something really critical. I freaking love it. Uh, I I expect to use this multiple times a day. The other thing, this isn't an iOS 15 feature, but I'm really pumped about this uh, for the HomePods. They're about to add a setting for HomePod where you can Turn down the bass, nice. uh, and and not that I don't love bass, but our bathroom is right next to my husband's oh, office, yeah, so, so too much. often, yeah. yeah, often when I'm taking a bath, I want to listen to music or an audiobook or something, and Frank just hears. Like through his office, so really pumped about that feature. What about you?
0: Yeah, so I like a lot of it. I like the focus mode a lot. I think that the stuff, it, you know, I think like the, um, the the Verge and uh, Max Stories uh, um, Federico did a really really beautiful review, as always. Um, I feel like you know this was kind of more of a refinement. It's it's a, a Federico called it like a quieter release. Um, I think that like the Verge kind of referred to it kind of as like a almost kind of a, a level set. Um, it's not quite what I would call like a snow leopard release, which, uh, you know, um, was pretty great, but it, but it is definitely one of those. Um, it, there aren't like a ton of huge kind of, um, uh, standout, uh, features. Um, it's just kind of making things better. Last year's release was really, really good. Some of the bigger, uh, features like the share play and stuff like that aren't out yet. I will say like, the big controversial things, and they had to work on this a lot during the betas, was the changes they made to Safari. How do you feel about the, the you know, URL bar being at the top or the bottom?
1: Yeah, I, I it it doesn't make sense to me, like, off the, the bat, like, putting it at the bottom. But, like, most of these things, I wonder if I'll just get used to it. So I'm withholding judgment for yeah, now. Yeah,
0: I've already moved mine back uh, to the top. I just can't deal with it at the, at the bottom. But... <laughs> But I, I, you know, I'm I am glad they gave that option. The tenting thing, I really don't like. I get where they were going with that, but I, but that just honestly takes me out of it too much. When you're, you know, switching tabs or whatever, and, and it, you know, makes the, uh, the 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 tab, you know, the tab bar like the color of um the website. I get where they're going with that. It just I talked about the, this with John Gruber on the talk show. It actually takes me out of the situation more. The big thing that's frustrating me right now on iPad OS, and this is a minor thing, but it's frustrating they changed how bookmarks work. And so before, it, you know, you tap on the bookmarks button and it pulls it up and kind of overlays. Now you have a sidebar that comes in and then you have to tap on the bookmarks thing and then, you know, um, like tap on something else. So I have to tap three times to pull up my bookmarks, which is stupid. And so I hope that they make a change to that. Um, the the big thing, uh, they made some really big enhancements with Safari, uh, including extensions now, work in Safari on iOS, which is huge because this means that extensions like 1Password now have better control of being able to generate passwords and do stuff that is more advanced than what they could do before. But it also means that app developers uh, can, you know, bundle. You still have to do the stupid Apple way. We do extensions with Safari. It now uses the same format that uh, Chrome extensions use. Uh, So the same thing that any of the Chromium browsers use. And also Firefox, there's like an extension standard. It uses that. The frustrating thing is you have to actually compile a stupid wrapper macOS app and submit it to the Mac App Store and then you can download Ugh. that extension from either the Mac App Store or the the iOS App Store but it's it's beyond stupid that you can't just upload it to like a web gallery which is how two generations ago the extensions worked so it's like but but when that happened they didn't use the same standard that everyone else used so it's like two steps forward four steps back it's 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 still dumb but at least now you could theoretically have a pack. If you want to go through the hassle of packaging it the right way, you could, you know, bring actual desktop class extensions to your phone and your tablet, which awesome. So, so there's some really good stuff. Um, I've got, have got links in the show notes, um, to some of the other reviews. I think, you know, I think it's a, so far it, it seems pretty good, but it's, it's weird for me. Like, I don't feel like it's, it's not transformational for me in any sense.
1: Yeah, but is any version of iOS – I mean, I feel like when iOS 2 came out and we got copy-paste, that was transformational. Like, that really modified the phone quite a bit. I mean, these are all iterative because it's every single year. Yeah, that's true. Know? That's
0: true. Although, again, I think, like, last year was a pretty big year, like, you know, having the the app library, having widgets, having – like, there were a bunch of things mm-hmm. that they – a lot of changes they made last year that I thought were actually pretty good. So, I'm I, – I totally understand but, um, like what you're saying is stuff is iterative, but like, I, I don't have like super strong, um, like opinions one way or, um, or another, but, um, but Federico's review, uh, beautiful as always. Um, and, uh, also max stories has a new, they just relaunched their, um, their club max stories program. So just want to give them a shout out for that too. But I like that stuff. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's our iOS corner. Again, we're going long, but we don't have, we don't,
1: <laughs> look, we don't have Simone here to look. Simone's always the one. She is. Let's get out the door. She, yeah, she, she's know? the one who keeps us on for,
0: track. As, as we said, she's right. the one who keeps the trains running. We're the ones who run the trains off of things. So, <laughs> all right, now it is time for dessert. And as promised, we are going to be talking about the drama and the hilarity and just the, the internet stupidity around dear
1: Evan Hansen. So Brie, help me understand why people are angry about this. This is the part I don't understand. I understand there's a musical. Mm-hmm. I understand you're assuming the main character is gay because it's musical theater. Well, and everybody right? involved
0: in it was gay, uh, right. and so people. Pe- and also, two of the actors. That's what I mean. Everybody, everybody who wrote it, everybody who's producer. Yes. Like it's, it's understandable. Yeah. Also, here's the thing: as a musical, this worked, but. The storyline is completely sociopathic, like like 100%. And in the musical... Help me understand. Okay, So here's the... So spoilers for a four-year-old musical that won a Tony and has been performed all over the country and is beloved by lots and lots of teens and Tumblr. Uh, So if you don't want to hear spoilers for the plot of Dear Evan Hansen, which I will add is portrayed in the trailer, uh, stop listening. Okay, so... Evan Hansen is kind of like a lonely uh, teenage high schooler and his shrink is like, write letters to yourself and and talk about your feelings. And he's in the library one day and some kid who asks him to sign his cast, he signs the kid's cast. And um, the kid ends up like finding his letter, taking it off the printer and taking it with them. And and they have kind of a weird exchange. And then the kid um, commits suicide. And it's very Mm -hmm. sad, but they find the letter on him. And they see Evan's, like, sign on his cast. And so they assume that this was his suicide note that he wrote to Evan Hansen. Turns out that this kid's sister is someone that Evan Hansen has had a crush on. The family, they all want, they'd be like, oh, we didn't think he had any friends. We want to know someone he clearly had a connection with. What can you tell us about him? And so kind of put on the spot, Evan Hansen creates a story uh, where he's like, we were friends and and we had you know, we share these moments together and kind of create stuff out of nothing. And, and he ends up sharing something during a school assembly, kind of like a, a tribute to the student that goes wildly viral online. And now he has to kind of keep up with these lies he's created about this person who is is no longer around and and things that didn't exist. While at the same right. time, he's being embraced by the family of, um, the deceased person and he's getting closer romantically with a sister and it's, and he's now becoming popular in his own sense at school. It's a very, uh, you can understand why just hearing like the, like the cliff notes, why this is problematic as the kids would say.
1: Yeah. No, a hundred percent. What I don't understand why I understand assuming he's gay. I don't understand why people are angry that he's not or confused about it to the point of tweeting on Twitter. Oh,
0: the the gay thing is just a minor thing. That's just, I think, a confusion thing where people are, are like Vulture had a not Vulture, a Slate who had Slate takes about this stuff years ago, um, made things. But yeah, people just assume because uh, the actors are, many of the actors who starred in it are, are gay, the producers, including, and I, sh- I should disclose, uh, a former co-worker of mine, our, our CFO is one of the producers of the play. I saw it when it was in previews before it went to Broadway. Um, you know, like a lot of people involved are, so y- you can understand like why they would think that it was what it was, But but that's not why people are mad, although many people are surprised. The reason people are mad is that even though this plot line has existed for four years. And there were people who were bleeding about how sociopathic, frankly, Evan Hansen is four years ago. A lot of people ignored it because the overall message and some of the other things, because it played very broadly on a musical mm-hmm. stage, it, it, like, it, wasn't that, it wasn't that bothersome. Like you, you kind of came out of it and you're like, okay, if, if, I, if I evaluate this too closely, it's weird, but it tied it all together, right? In film... That doesn't work, at least according to all the reviews. The reviews, everybody is like, "Yo, this is like messed up. Like, why is this? Why is Evan Hansen a hero? He's literally a liar and a sociopath, and he's like, you know, literally like doing all this, you know, doing this stuff, which is ultimately just causing a family grief, right? Because you know, the lies eventually become untold. Like, like what what right. are we doing? Um, Beyond that, which makes it worse." They cast uh, Ben Platt, who won the Tony for Dear Evan Hansen, and he originated the role both off Broadway and then on Broadway when it went to uh, Broadway. They they still had him as the lead. Now the, the character is seventeen years old. Uh, ben Platt was twenty six when they filmed the movie. He's twenty seven now. Now it is not uncommon for them to hire you know adults to play teenagers. I mean, literally all of teenage television is that you know like. Uh, Gabri- uh, uh, Gabrielle Carteras, I think she was like 35 yeah, when she was on 920, right? Of, like, yeah. like they call her grandma on uh, the, again, with this podcast, you know, Luke Perry, there's no way, like, <laughs> I wish that 17 year old boys had looked like Luke Perry. They did not. Um, sorry world. Um, but uh, the way that they, the way that the makeup and the way that everything is done with Ben Platt in this movie, he doesn't just look older. He looks like 45, so he doesn't just look like 26, like like he looks like old and apparently he plays it kind of over the top like he would in theater and not more refined like you would need to in film. So apparently like people can't, like there's an uncanny valley aspect that all the reviews are coming in. They're like, you can't get over the fact that he does not look the same age as everyone else. So, so that's hilarious. Um, there's, there's even been jokes about people like about them pulling, they're not going to do this, but about them pulling a cat's where they would like de-age him (laughs) in the prints. So, 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 so so it's it's the, the sociopathic storyline it's the fact that he looks completely out of place. And it's the fact that like, this is just a thing that doesn't work in film. And so people are just being very angry about it, but I'm very amused by all of this. Uh, suffice to say there is a link to a review one of the best reviews I've ever read on anything ever. And I liked the musical. I should, I should note it's sociopathic as it was. I like the musical. Uh, but this review is on Letterboxd. Esther, uh, Rosenfield, Esther, bless you. You are a master. She, her review is cutting and it is hilarious. And I'm just going to read one small snippet of it and then let everybody else read the rest, but I'm just going to read this for you. Okay. Um, his exaggerated hunch, hysterically twitchy hands, and latex-smooth prosthetics serve only to make Platt, who was 26 years old when the film was shot, look like a man in his mid-40s. His casting surely oh ranks amongst uh, among the most misguided, disastrous decisions in cinema history right around, quote, John Landis telling Vic Morrow and the kids to stand there.
1: Wow.
0: I mean, that is brutal. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Which is just so
0: good. And and for anyone who's not familiar, um, uh, just look up the Twilight Zone movie. And um,
1: yeah. So I I have a lot of thoughts about. Yes, this. I mean going going to the first one, like I I am I am so exhausted with my own side. The last <laughs> going after plots of stories because they are problematic Mm -hmm. this is the stupidest most anti-literary like just flat out dumb thing ever like have you ever read lolita i know like it's not like
0: i i i i've been reading some takedowns of lolita and i'm like are we really doing this really
1: right like i it's it's there aren't good people in the book. Right. We're all gonna agree on that. But I I think it's so dumb to just start censoring stories because the characters are bad are problematic I agree. or the themes of it are bad. This way lies madness. It it's 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 my God, I remember like within my lifetime the left were the ones going, well, no, actually, we should have 1984 in schools. Yes. We should have these stories. And this is just a, a, a train of, of thinking I can't get on board with. Now, like, if you're talking about sensitivity readers on trans issues or gay issues or things, or racial diversity, having someone read through a book and go, maybe you should write, phrase this like this. I, I'm 100% for that. But, like... Uh, just condemning storylines when, when a film hasn't even come out, it's just, it's ridiculous. And I will, I will, I'm so exhausted. With no, that. I totally
0: agree with you. I do think like the, 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 the fervor is hilarious. And what's funny is that again, this was a, a, a musical that was beloved by the very same audience. Many of the same people who are condemning it now. They just didn't like go see the musical, but they are people who would have loved the musical five years ago. Right. Uh, so, which is funny. So my, my friend, Catherine, a uh, friend of the pod, she tweeted, as the reviews for Dear Evan Hansen roll out, I can't help but think about the absolute hellscape of think pieces that would ensue if that plot <laughs> happened in real life. And she's right. If this happened in real life, uh, I, think, yeah. I think my response was, like, imagine this—that uh, that, that viral video of this kid talking about his friend's death is fake takes. It would be like the sladiest of slate takes if that happened.
1: Yeah. You know what else? If Romeo and Juliet really happened in real life and two parents were going so crazy at each other that their kids committed suicide, that would also be an S show in real life too. Oh, totally. That's theater, y'all. No,
0: totally. That's how it works. No, you're you're right. Also, Catherine reminded me in our group chat, she reminded me, she was like, actually, there have been some actual sociopathic things that have been more sociopathic than this plot line. Like the woman, uh, do you remember this from last summer? It was my favorite grift, I think. We never talked about it, but it was was great. So this... uh, this professor, the the science professor, she'd worked at Vanderbilt, and then she didn't get tenure and, and sued them and lost and whatnot. But she created a fake sock puppet on Twitter of an indigenous bisexual um, science yes, professor, I and this. then she killed the person with COVID. And then it turned yep. out the person never existed. There was a Zoom funeral and wake and everything, right? Like like the people who thought they knew this <laughs> person. There was like a, a wake on Zoom about this, and it turned out the whole thing was made up. That is more messed up, actually. And that was a real-life thing that really happened than than the Evan Hansen stuff. So this has actually happened in real life. Um, uh, I was also saying to Catherine, inevitably, if this was a real thing that happened, this would be hilarious. You would have all the bad, horrible takes about how awful this viral video and this person being a sociopath is. And like, yeah, there are sociopaths out there if that's how it works. Uh, But then inevitably, a few months later you would have um, a very deep investigative uh, reporting on in in Barry Weiss's substack where someone has said <laughs> oh no but you're 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 um we're thinking about this all wrong actually this sociopath isn't so bad let's take a look at the other side
1: <laughs> yeah like that, that, like, i'm they, certain she would do yeah, that they're, they're so, 100% so, uh,
0: but i'm with you like it is ridiculous for people to get mad about the plot line of a movie i just personally think at this point the reviews are so incredibly over the toply negative i'm in love with it and I'm in love with. I mean, from, from all accounts, it is just a bad movie. Um, and and I like the director quite a bit. But but in all accounts, it is it is a a, a a terrible movie. But and and he clearly was miscast. Although he does make a good point. The only reason the movie got made was because he starred in it. Now he doesn't. Disclose the fact that, well, his father was one of the producers, so his dad wasn't going to cut a check if his Tony Award-winning son didn't star in the film. Um, (laughs) But he does have a point that, like, I'm sure that the film would not have been made if the Tony Award-winning lead actor was not the face of it, even if they made him look really, really old in it.
1: I just remember a few years ago when uh it was actually 2 years it was last year actually with uh with uh what was it the 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 Hunger Games uh prequel book yeah. came out a song of fire and snakes or something like that and uh, everybody on the left on Twitter is just like oh we don't need to humanize every <laughs> single villain we we can't be doing this why are we always trying to look for the humanity in these villains and I'm like Y'all, I'm going to wait and actually read the book when it comes out. I'm just crazy like that. I like to read a piece of fiction before I critique it. Shocking. And you read it as the complete opposite of everything they're breathlessly condemning uh susan susan susana collins right for. i mean it's 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 not that at all it's a tragedy uh snake is you understand him uh i'm sorry uh, uh snow uh you understand him but he he's not a good guy it's like just wait for the piece of art to come out before you critique it yeah. just just wait y'all also like
0: i, I was critical of cruella because i thought that it was a bad movie Uh, But not because they, like, try to humanize Cruella. In that sense, I was just kind of like, why do you have to make her a victim? Like, why can't we just have evil people who are evil and fun? That's my personal thing. Like, we don't have to make it, like, a a life lesson. But I'm also with you where it's like, why are we mad if somebody does try to give a character some, you know, like, depth? Like, why are we mad at at, at works existing? I'm totally with you on that. But um, I'm not going to see Dear Evan Hansen in the theater I I might hire it. I might stream it whenever it comes to Peacock. But I do I I I I have greatly just enjoyed the terrible discourse, but most especially that um that review, which is just one of the most like lethal ethered things I've ever read. It's so funny and so good. Like even if you liked the the musical, and I did. I read this and I was mm-hmm. like, well done well done. You just, it, and and again, not criticizing it for existing. It's just, you know, like the the implementation. So I'm, I'm a fan.
1: Well, you, you piqued my interest. I may go see it.
0: All right. Yeah. Please, please go see it. We want to hear your thoughts. Also listeners in the audience, if you see Dear Evan Hansen, please let us know on Twitter what your thoughts of it are. Um, we wish Simone could have been here to engage in the discourse cause I'm sure she would have had opinions that probably disagreed with ours a little bit, but, um, that's okay. Um, she can she can share she can share her thoughts next week if she wants. This is what she gets for being in Paris or whatever part of France <laughs> she's in. I don't know
1: wherever she is. Wherever she
0: is. We want to thank our sponsor once again, uh, Dragons Brood. Thank you for sponsoring us and Relay FM. I also want to go ahead and give uh, a, uh, a shout out to um, our third annual Relay FM um, fundraiser for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. You can donate now through the uh, end of September, so we are still within this period of time. Um, and uh, please, uh, please consider donating and supporting this wonderful cause. Uh, w- uh, we've already uh, raised over $500,000, which is fantastic, but you can still donate. And um, this is uh, this is really, really good. Um, so I, uh, I encourage everybody to participate and, and donate if you can. St. Jude is just a really, really wonderful uh, charity organization. They do so much for Uh, Families and children with cancer, and um, it's one of the organizations that I'm very, very proud to give to every year, and that uh, I'm—it's close uh, to home for uh, for the Relay FM family. And so, we uh, encourage you to uh, donate to them. We'll have a link in the show notes for that. And um, again, like thank you to uh, our sponsors. If you like this episode, please uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leaving us a review and a five star rating definitely helps. That's what Simone would say. And Simone is right, as always. Brianna, um, uh, what are you doing this week?
1: Oh, my God. I am so overworked, Christina. Like, just crazy overworked. I have three huge projects that are are. Are two of them were trying to launch from scratch. The other is a big uh, data analytics thing, uh, looking at Nina Turner's data. I do have something to share. This is so awesome. So we did our first pass on looking at all the money we spent, which was a huge six-figure number uh, in her race. And we specifically targeted people that don't vote, or have just registered to vote, like we're not talking about normal people that vote every election, every primary. We specifically went after non-voters. And we got... 44.7% 44.7% of people we targeted and deluged with ads out to the polls, which is a huge accomplishment when it comes to segmenting the data and like tailoring what you're showing them based on their social media information. So that was a huge project and it it turned out very positively. So I'm very proud of that.
0: Congratulations. I'm, I'm really proud of that yeah. too. It sounds like a ton of work. So congrats on that. Uh, I am um, I'm doing some stuff uh, at work this week. I'm um, doing some things. Uh, I did a, a um, interview and in kind of a um, app stand up community stand up with the for the Windows team today about some of the haptic uh, uh, pen stuff, which is cool. and I'm doing some other stuff um, uh, later this week too around uh, Windows 11. so that's exciting. Ooh. um so yeah because windows 11 comes out on um um october 5th so uh there's there's lots of uh stuff that's like the final pieces are getting put together so that's really fun uh Bree, where can people find you
1: i can find me on
0: twitter at brianna Wu. all right and you can find me at film underscore girl on the twitters and the instagram and thank you uh you can find simone online at um at Doom Quasar on the Twitters and the Instagram. And you can bug her for not being here. We're just kidding. Thank you, Simone. <laughs> we would be like lost without you. So you're amazing. Brie, uh, Bree, thank you for joining me for this extended episode of Rocket, since we can't like we, we can't function without her. So
1: a hundred percent.
0: All right. This episode of Rocket is terminated.